Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Auto Line After Hours is brought to you by Bridgestone. Your journey, our passion. And by Chevrolet. Chevy runs deep. And for this special Auto Line 15th Anniversary Edition, we would like to thank our sponsors, Ford and Honda. As you can see, we've got all kinds of people here. Hey, John, how's it going? Good seeing you. Excuse me, I'm, I'm actually working right now. And uh, we're going to be doing the entire show in just a minute. In fact, I've got a couple of guests here who have joined me already. And... Uh, what I guess I should say is that welcome to Autoline After Hours with John McElroy, episode 154 for June 22nd, 2012, 15 and counting. Welcome back here with two guests that we've already got who are attending the party with us, Dr. David Cole and Mustafa Mahatram. Great having the both of you here. Great to be with you, John. Well, great to be and congratulations. Yeah. So, Mustafa. 15 years down the drain. 15 years down the drain. (laughs) That's great, Dave. Well, you guys have seen a lot in the last 15 years. Mustafa, what stands out in your mind? I think, you know, when I joined GM 30 years ago almost, everybody was talking about the amount of competition in the industry. But we hadn't seen anything like what we're seeing now. You know, it's like people were always talking about consolidation of the industry. And here we are. Not only do we have... Far more players in the U.S. market, but when you look around the world, you see China, India, Russia, and you're beginning to see new players come on the scene. So I think while it's very competitive, we're going to see a lot more competition coming in. David, same thing, right? I mean, who oh, would have thought it would get this intense? Yeah, I remember Steve Martin and a couple of wild and crazy guys. Uh, we have wild and crazy times, and if anything, it's going to get more hectic, more wild, more competitive, and probably a lot more fun. Fun in which way? Well, for observers like you and I, we can kind of watch. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing to be in the match, uh, the cage match, and watch people bloody one another. We sort of sit on the outside and watching it happen, uh, make comments about uh, who's best and who's not so good. Uh, it's a great industry to observe, but it's also a great industry to be a part of today. And of course, one of the most interesting things as we see this uh, tremendous turnaround having occurred in all of the issues now that are beginning to emerge, what we have to make sure we don't do is just think about the past and all the tough times and begin to think of the longer term. In fact, one of the things that we're concerned about right now or what we would think of as choke points. Are we going to have the talent to make this industry great in the future? Are we going to have all of the suppliers, the materials, uh, 
all of these things that are so critical in this industry, which is the most complex industry in the world, we're moving very fast just on the talent issue. Uh, if you talk to a young person today, how many of them will say, I want to be a part of the manufacturing world, I want to be an engineer, I want to be a technician or skilled trade or an economist or sales and marketing person? I don't think that's happened. We have to do a job in selling young people and parents and teachers and politicians that uh, manufacturing is an absolute foundation for this economy. And when you consider that a job at an auto manufacturer today has an economic multiplier of about 10, meaning for every job at a GM, Ford, Chrysler, Honda, whoever, uh, there are nine other jobs elsewhere in suppliers or spin-off jobs, whereas that Wall Street job that people thought was really cool struggles to have a multiplier of two. Manufacturing is a foundation, and the big 500-pound gorilla in manufacturing is this wonderful automotive industry, so we still have a lot of work to do. You know, if you just go back five years, you know, I do a lot of work in the public policy world. You go into Washington or Tokyo or London, and you want to talk about manufacturing, why the policymakers need to pay more attention to manufacturing. And you were always told you were the past. The future was services, the future was the financial services, in particular, especially that was true in New York and London. You couldn't get attention to manufacturing right. issues. Now you look at this recovery as we're coming back. It's manufacturing that's leading it in general, and the auto industry in particular is leading this recovery back. And all of a sudden, we're getting a lot of attention because everybody recognizes that this is an industry with the potential to really pull our economy out. So as you look down the, through the rest of the decade, optimistic, pessimistic, oh, trepidation, I, how do you feel? Well, I mean, you know, I said it, it's going to be a much more competitive world. But at the same time, I see a great future in this industry. I mean, when you look at the technology we're bringing to the marketplace, you know, the sophistication of the new cars that are coming out, the challenges we face meeting some of the societal objectives, it's just amazing the opportunities that are there. You know, we just have to keep, you know, head down and work away at addressing those. Mustafa is absolutely right. Uh, one of the concerns that we have is that we have seen sort of in the Obama administration fairly recently, the discovery of manufacturing as being important. Uh, Sridhar Koda, one of my colleagues formerly at the University of Michigan, was in the Office of Science and Technology Policy, and one of the key guys that really helped the administration realize that manufacturing was fundamentally important. Now, one of our concerns right now is that this not become polarized and caught in the political mayhem that we're going to see over the next six months. This is not a Republican issue. It's not a Democratic issue. It's an American and a worldwide issue. And we need to, from a policy perspective, make sure that we understand manufacturing very, very clearly, how important it is, and where some of the gaps are, like in that talent for the future, or policy that really is supporting of manufacturing in this globally competitive world. And if we don't step up to that, uh, we're going to have a problem, but it is, it, it, it's a fun time. I, I'm old enough. My wife keeps telling me I'm old enough to be retired, just not smart enough. And I said, <laughs> why would you walk away from something that is so much fun where there's so much excitement? Yeah. Hey, you know, John, I... let me, uh, the other side of it, when I was in grad school, I couldn't really afford to buy all the car magazines. So I would go to the drugstore Walgreens in Chicago, and I'd spend, you know, while my wife shopped, 
I was looking at all the car magazines. So when I got out, finished my PhD and was looking at different job offers, uh, some of the consulting firms then were offering really good salaries, and GM called and asked to come here. And I asked my wife, you know, should I, shouldn't I? And she goes, you look at cars all day. Go. This is where you're meant to be. Yeah, Mustafa's okay. just one of those people that can't help himself. Yeah. You know, he's sort of, you know what we've got to do? We've got to convince a lot of people to be like a Mustafa, that they can't help themselves and that they want to be a part of this industry. It's just too important uh, to let fade if we don't have the right talent to be a part of this industry. And too much fun. And, and too, too much, much fun. fun. Hey, I've got to wrap up with you guys because we've got some okay. others that are, are coming in. But I want to thank Dave, Dr. David Cole, Mustafa Mahataram from GM. Thanks so much for coming in. Hey, Great John, to be with congratulations you. again. Yeah, thank congratulations. You. Fifteen years you. down the drain. That's, that's right. <laughs> hey, we, we've got some sound bites prepared from different shows over the years of AutoLine. We're going to go to one of those right now. In fact, I'm not sure which one we're going to. I think it might be uh, with Bob Eaton from... Daimler Chrysler. We'll go to that now. We'll have a few more guests coming back on. Is the merger where you think it should be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really encouraged about what's happening with the Automotive Council and the Sales and Marketing Council as, as they're driving to one powertrain program. Uh, you know, we're going to have a tremendous reduction in engines and transmissions and, and all the components that will really make us... Uh, uh, make us even more competitive and uh, we're looking at things like common architectures of our vehicles going forward so they're easier to build in the same plants not common platforms but common architecture so they go together the same kind of way and as you know in the PT Cruiser gets a Mercedes-Benz engine uh, we're putting the Mercedes diesel into the Grand Cherokee you're gonna see things going back and forth uh, like that 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 really give us the synergies that we had always hoped would be. How are you? How are you doing? Good to see you. We're back. And uh, <laughs> as I get my guests out of the yeah. way, we got two terrific people with me right now. Mark Fields, the head of all the Americas for the Ford Motor Company. Great having you here. Thanks for coming Congratulations. to the Congratulations. 15 is, years, I know, man. I know. I know. This is great. And we got Matt DeLorenzo. Congrats, One John. of my, my pals from the very beginning days of my days in this business. You've right. been around here just about as long as I have. Yeah. <laughs> so, two years. <laughs> yeah. More than a few. So what's on your mind these days? Things are going pretty good for Ford. I'm just glad to be here celebrating 15 years for you. I mean, it, I, always, I always joke with uh, John because he's, I, I always tell him he's the hardest working media guy in the automotive business because I, I, I go into work early. And I'm always listening to WWJ. On the radio. And as I stop by my Dunkin' Donuts at 5.40 in the morning, I always hear your, your update. And then I get into the office. I have a few meetings. I come back to my computer. Then I see his auto line daily, you know, web thing. So I see him then. And then when I drive home, they replay the same thing that they played in the morning. So you're, I, I hear you more than I hear my wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's going. It's going good. You know, we're uh, the industry is. Uh, it's coming off a little bit of the 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 good start that we had in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were all the kind of saying was a, were a lot of people in the first quarter coming out because of the warm weather, and you know we've seen the retail soar the last two months soften up, soften a bit. Uh, we'll have to see how. You know, June ends up, 
uh, still a little soft this month, but again, you know, because of the holiday weekend, it's kind of a the month happens literally in the last couple of days. Yeah. But uh, but so far, you know, we're still we're still seeing growth here, which is good. Other parts of the world, not as in good shape. Right, right. Well, thank God you're the head of the Americas then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got lots of stuff going on in South America. Well, too. that too. That yeah, too, right. Yeah. yeah. So let's get uh, Matt to Lorenzo in this. Uh, big shakeup at Road and Track. Uh, and and remember, I was the first Detroit editor yes, you for were. Road and Track. Yes, you were. And so, I mean, uh, you know, I got a fond place in my heart for that magazine. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about this a lot on Auto Line After Hours last week. And I told the world what I think then, but I don't <laughs> like what's going on. But it's so great to have you it's, here it's tonight. It's great to be here. I wouldn't miss it. Uh, Fifteen years. I remember going... The first, uh, some of the first shows that I w- appeared on were down at PBS. You were in the old studios there, and then the place over in uh, Livonia next to the train tracks. Right. That's right, yeah. Which was By always the train great. tracks, right? And I, you know, I, I think one of the great things about the business is that uh, there's a great sense of community, and AutoLine has been kind of that focal point that brings everybody together and kind of talks about it. I mean, if you're really a car guy. The, 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 the great uh, education you get from just watching your shows has been uh, been terrific. So it's, I'm just happy to be here. Happy That's to great. be anywhere. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, what got me into the business was a love of cars. And then I found out that this industry that makes the cars is actually more interesting than the cars themselves. Yeah. Now, I haven't given up being an enthusiast, but it's, uh, it's an amazing business. Yeah. I, well, I've I, always said that, you know, if there's science... There's manufacturing, there's marketing, there's art in design, there's engineering, there's racing, there's all this stuff together. And I said, if you're bored covering the auto industry, that's your fault. (laughs) Well, you know, Matt, you mentioned this kind of sense of community. And I think, John, what what you've done on your show is it's such a great format because I know myself as well as a lot of others look forward when we're invited to come and talk about it because you always have uh, two other journalists. And, yeah, we talk about the news of the day and the business and all that kind of stuff. But we just talk about the business mm-hmm. and talk about the cars and talk about the technologies. And, you know, it's just like it's like sitting here and just talking about the business as opposed to, you know, an in-your-face kind of interview of how we're going to get you. And uh, and I think that that's a lot of credit to uh, to what you do. And I agree with Matt. I mean, my kids, you know, they learn about the business from me. But you know, when they watch your show on uh, on Sunday mornings where, where they live, they learn a lot. And yeah. They say, "Dad, you really do that kind yeah. of stuff." <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, well, thanks for the feedback. I, I really do appreciate it. You know, and it's like anybody else will tell you, I, I got really good people. So. You know, it's not just me. There's there's a whole lot of work. Well, that goes Carmen on and Chip the and every you know all of the, and you've 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 had a great crew who've been with you for a long time, and it's right. always great if you're even at an auto show and you're you know I see you guys bopping around, and it's it's always terrific. We have fun. Yep. We have a lot of fun with this. Okay. Okay. Well, Mark, thanks so much for stopping by. We're we're kicking you out. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> but. We're going to roll some more. Congratulations. Thanks a million. It really means a lot to me to have you here. It really does. Good. Matt, thanks so much. Love the shirt, too. Hey, I dressed for the weather. What can I say? (laughs) Okay. It's just in time production. We're rolling them in here. So, got another uh, great collection here. Jim Sassarosi, the head of all marketing for Mopar. 
and my friend and colleague Paul Eisenstein from uh, the Detroit Bureau. Dot so, com. Dot com. That's right. <laughs> so you you guys are rocking at Mopar these days. We're having a lot of fun. It's about performance and going fast in 15 years. It's amazing how fast you got her. Congratulations. I know. Hey, thanks so much, Jim. Yeah. No, really appreciate it. And Paul, great having you here too. Great to I be mean, with you. It's, uh, it's been an amazing 15-year ride for me, that's for sure. I'll tell you, I, I still remember when you made the change, uh, which was about the time I started doing publishing on the internet with another magazine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, were they thinking that you were crazier or I was crazier? <laughs> you've done, you've done probably done better than I have. Congratulations on that. Well, I don't know about that, but we're both crazy. Not yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, we know that, but. It's amazing, isn't it, how the world of the, uh, the media have changed. And what's, John, what I really respect about you, what I've tried to do with myself, but what I really respect about you, is that in a, in a world of media, where more and more is going to the same story in three paragraphs, sometimes three sentences, where attitude replaces knowledge and history, you have maintained the breadth and depth and the ability to deliver people a sense of understanding and continuity that is almost completely absent in general from the media and sadly from the automotive media all too often. Yeah, that is well, you know, it, it's a format, whether it's Autoline After Hours or Autoline This Week, you know, we take the time to dive into stuff and, uh, you know, there's some formats that, you know, look, I, I do 60 seconds on the radio. <laughs> 60 right. seconds is all I get, and after I say who I am in it, it's really down to 50 seconds. Right, let, me, let, me, so, let me put something in I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead no, no, no. no it, I'll put something in perspective. I did a gig with ABC when I first came to Detroit with the network, and back then, 78, 79, two and a half to three and a half minutes was a common story. Nowadays, the same TV news 90 seconds is a luxury, right. 60 or even 40 seconds is not uncommon. That's right. No, that's right. The, the, the media has really changed. And, and of course, regard. your long format, I just was with you, actually, I, I don't think it's aired yet, but uh, one, of your, one of your programs talking about uh, the Nakodi balloting. Right. Uh, you know, to have that luxury to talk for that length right. is, is something which, sadly, right. almost doesn't exist anymore. I know. That's right. So, Jim, what, what, what's next on the, the Mopar list here? What, what should we be on the lookout for? And I know you can't spill your guts on all your future oh, please, stuff. please, please yeah. do. No, I can't, <laughs> can't talk too much, but you know, a couple months ago we showed the uh, Mopar 12300, and uh, now it's ready to hit the showroom. So they just, uh, they're in the build process right now, and we'll be hitting the Chrysler dealerships this summer. So that's a lot of fun and gets us right in time for Woodward here locally. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got to ask a question. Is this a pattern you're going to continue, or are we going to see a 13? You know, that's uh, about looking at the future. I would say there's a good chance. We're working actually on a couple options right now, and I'll put it, I'd be surprised if we don't have a 13. All right. We like the pattern, and it's been received very well by the customers. Yeah, you have been. So here's the question. Fiat is sort of, but not quite, a part of Chrysler. Could there ever be a Mopar Fiat product? Anything's possible. Uh, I would say it is part of Chrysler and Chrysler's part of Fiat. We're really all together. It was uh, uh, melding the two companies right away. Mopar has been selected by the greater company to be the, the parts division, the parts brand for Fiat Auto Group and Chrysler Group all together. So 
the, the future is it's endless. What can happen? So should I be writing a story, John? Maybe you should go on the air with this. Yeah. Should we be writing stories about uh, the uh, Mopar 13 will be a uh, Fiat 500L? I think you can be safe that that won't happen that soon. <laughs> but I would like to chime in on the talk about that 50 seconds and how quick a lot of words. Uh, and I've mentioned this to you before, and I want to thank you because you're my morning. I wake, I have to time my day so I can hear you, and I learn so much about the business. And, and another takeaway that I just have to compliment you on your 15th anniversary, and I've mentioned this to you before too, but for everyone to know how important you are to this town and this industry that when times were tough, you let us know when things needed to be improved, and you were right. And you were one of the first to see times change, and you were the catalyst for the renaissance. And we really appreciate you being Detroit's cheerleader. Thank you. Well, thanks for that, that feedback, you know, Jim, because, uh, yeah, uh, it was hard going out before things collapsed and telling everybody it's going to get worse than you could ever believe. Yep. And then, you know, it was hard to be out there saying, woohoo! They got through this restructuring, things are going to get really good, and people thought I was crazy. And, uh, you know, I knew in my heart that Chrysler was going to be able to turn it around. Or at least what I should say is I knew in my heart they had the capability of doing it. My gut told me they probably would. But uh, yeah, it was kind of a lone voice there for a while. Yep, and, and, and we appreciate that. And the part of Chrysler DNA a little bit, we like that gut instinct. Yeah, good. You know, okay, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming. You know, we're, we're moving oh, things along bet. here, but uh, we're going to take a, a quick break right now. And uh, Okay, we, we, we've got another sound bite from an early, early show going, but first we've got to take another commercial break here. Here, Paul, thank thanks, much, Congratulations. It was more than a car to him. It really was his baby. Okay, we're going to another uh, soundbite from an earlier show. This is actually Bill Ford Jr. and Jack Nasser talking together circa 1998, 1999. It's really interesting. Listen in on this one. This is going to be a partnership, and it's one that I think we're both very comfortable with. We've known each other a long time, and, and uh, I think Jack's the best executive in, you know, certainly in the auto industry and perhaps in corporate America. And so I just... I'm honored to be uh, at his side. So have you both discussed exactly how you're going to run this partnership? Uh, who does exactly what? Or Well, uh, really, we haven't done that. And uh, we deliberately didn't really want to sit down and, and start to allocate specific uh, job responsibilities because that's not the way we feel about it. Uh, we've had extensive discussions. So you're going to be crossing the river by feeling the stones with your feet? Is that the approach you're going to take? It is a new approach for us um, at, at Ford and, and maybe for some American industries, but this is not an unusual uh, approach in Europe, in Asia, in, in Latin America. And um, we think that it really does bring the, the tremendous advantages uh, that Bill brings with uh, his experience on the board and that I bring uh, with uh, my business and, and operating ex experience. And the two together... Uh, we think it's going to be fabulous, and we're, we're, we're just looking forward to it. And uh, we're, we're not really trying to split responsibilities up between us because we just don't think that's the way to run the company. Welcome back. I've got another two people here. As I told you, I would have 
Jim Sanfilippo, who's been doing all of Hyundai's advertising out on the West Coast, and Gary Vassalash, who a lot of you will know from Automotive Design and Production Magazine. And thanks for taking a few minutes to sit in with me here, guys. And I just got back from the Hyundai program today. You did? So, yeah. We're in La Jolla? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Just got back this afternoon. So you, so you saw the Floster and the Elantra Coupe and the, and the, uh, the GT. The GT? Yeah. Well done, I hope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get a report first hand. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's good stuff. Was John in his element? John was John was uh, <laughs> John was being John. And, and uh, that's John Kraftcheck that they're talking about, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, Jim, what do you like in the auto industry these days? What, what stands out in your mind that's good? Oh well, there's some very very strong competition to Hyundai and Kia, and uh, um, we, you know, one of the ways I characterize it internally to discuss it is that we call them the other six. Right, all have you know uh, Hyundai on their on their locker room door, or or Kia or both on their locker room door. So um, there's a lot of sobriety in the in the halls about this idea that you know there is no tsunami, there is no uh, nothing you know in anybody's way, and they're all making an effort to get back every bit of market share that they'd like to have back that they feel they deserve. And that's on. That makes it tough. On, yeah, it makes, makes it, it tough. tough for everyone. But you know, no but one. That's the no nature one, of the beast. No, it's it's a it's a you know, practicing sobriety is a good thing. And so you know, I like I like that. I like the renewed sense of competition. I like all the new products, you know, everywhere coming to the fore. Um, uh, what's not to like about what Ford's doing? Right. You know, how, how well that's managed. What's what's not, you know, the, what's not magic about Chrysler? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. That's a magician's trick. I mean, pulling it out of that hat. Right. No one three years ago would have thought that, that they, you know, they just won the big, uh, the lion in cans for their uh, 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 Super Bowl commercial. That's right. Right. So uh, that should have told us all something. So I, there's a lot to like. It's, it's, a, it's a renaissance, and it's going to continue. And uh, hopefully it'll prove uh, once again to the country that uh, that's the pillar of the country. It's manufacturing and it's cars and that's where we should be thinking. Gary, what's been on your mind lately? What have you seen that you well, really you know, like I, that's I, going on? I, I was sort of thinking about your 15, and I was thinking, you know, yeah. what, is, what has happened over the last 15 years that had, <laughs> has had such a profound effect on things? And I mean, we've, we've gone through the economic situation. Sure. We've got the new competitors like, you know, the Hyundai and Kia becoming strong, strong brands. And, uh, you know, it sort of strikes me that, that one of the things that's under the radar, and I know that you've, you've thought about this a lot, is, is the proliferation of electronics in vehicles. Not only the infotainment sort of thing, but how it's, it's permeated under the hood, how it's in all aspects of, you know, what you see and what you touch and what you feel, and how the, how the industry has undergone this transformation where it, it used to be, when you and I started, that they would say, oh, this is really a high-tech industry. And you know, you know as well as I do, it was about gears and things like that that uh, mesh together. And now it is truly becoming something where, where you can say, you know, when, when Apple says that they're going to have Siri and it's going to be put in a vehicle, that makes sense. It doesn't seem like something yeah. that is completely bizarre and just some sort of uh, an add-on or some, some crazy feature. And, and how... We have this whole new level of expectation of what we expect this industry to deliver. I think that's just fascinating. 
Yeah, when you think about there's chips in tires, in ignition switches, in the exhaust system. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, you're right. I never thought of that before. The electronics have totally permeated right. everything in the and automobile. It's just, it's just changed the whole game. And so, so in order to be competitive, whether it's going to be meeting cafe or whether it's going to be meeting, you know, the, the tastes of Gen Y, it's, it's all going to come down to that. And, and so, it, it, you know, we have to change our, our points of view as observers of the industry. On the one hand, you know, still paying attention to things like horsepower and performance, but on the other hand, paying attention to, you know, this whole different cadre of people who are from a different part of the world. I mean, what was it, Ford, a week or two ago, opened their new Silicon Valley lab. You know, who'd have thought, right? It's just like, right. it's, it's this, this just such a huge change, and it's good, good right. for us to be a part of it at this time, and, you know... And you're, you're doing a great job of covering it over these years. Yeah. Well, you get you click on Amazon and you wonder why. How, how does Amazon know everything I want, right? Yeah. With their suggestion of things I want to buy. Your car is going to know as much as Amazon and Google know here in a couple of years. But there's this challenge, right, of young people not being interested in cars, not aspiring to own them. Jim, you know, you deal on the advertising side. You know, how, how do you crack that? Uh, you know, I, I want to believe that. I, I guess because they tell me, I just don't believe it. I you don't think kids it. are into cars? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't buy that at all. I just don't. See, I, I, I love hearing this mm -hmm. because that's right. Everybody's talking about, oh, the young generation, they don't like cars. But, uh, but there is an issue there. They're not into cars like we were. Well, look, look at where they are economically right now and how many of them are out of work and how many of them are struggling with, a, with an advanced degree and can't get a job. They're not consumers yet. They haven't got anything to spend yet. Wait till they get a few dollars in their pocket. Believe me, they'll just be fine. I don't, you know, think, I don't think we've changed the breed that much. Uh -huh. and, and I was sitting outside a, co a coffee shop yesterday in, in Del Mar, and you know this big surfer, oh. big surfer community there. And as many surfboards as you'd see, you would also see 50s hot rods going yep. up and Everywhere. down the main drag. Yep. And I mean, and, and I, wow. it was an eye opener for me because yep. I, I, you know, I yep. thought that young people could care less, right? And you see that. And I just wonder whether, you know, you have this thing where there are people who have interests that are non-mainstream, like surfers, right? And so the people who go to that community are also people who are into cars. And I'll bet you that there are pockets like that across the country with people who have different interests, but cars are part of it. Cars are part of the whole, you know, but you see Woody's? I mean, how great is that? I mean, it's just, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's alive and well. It's alive and well. Well, you know, I went to the Autorama here in Detroit during the wintertime, and that's, you know, a real hot rod car show, you know, beautifully done things. Well, there were two levels to it, upstairs and downstairs. Upstairs, I don't think there was anybody under 50. Downstairs, it was all rat rods. It was all, you know, the black jeans, black shirt, tattoo crowd. I don't think there was anybody under over 30 down there. And it was a, a totally <laughs> different attitude about it, but still very much into cars. And right. Kind of, you and know, the same probably, crowd that you're there's, talking there's, about. There's probably a, you know, a third group who are, who are doing, you know, the, the whole audio thing and who are really pumping that up in a big way. And, and uh, their cars are part of that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I, I don't think that, that we're going to be, you know, just all driving around in pods that are they're undifferentiated and, and getting from point A to point B. It's it's it's, it's still going to be going. I mean, in, in hardcore. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm very excited about where the product's going. Yeah. Uh, I think the car is going to evolve a lot. And 
I don't think people will ever want to give up their freedom. No. And their car gives them freedom, right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, Jim Sanfilippo, Gary Vasilesh, I want to thank you guys for having sat in here right now. Oh, we're, we're going to move you on out. We're, we're going to go to another one of these historical sound bites. Right now, we're going to go to a guy named Bill McDonough, who's an expert in sustainability, who really worked with the Ford Motor Company a decade ago to transform the Ford Rouge plant from this terrible environmental disasters to a gleaming example of how that can be changed. Well, let's talk about the Rouge. Specifically, what are you doing there? I, I worked there one summer, and I can tell you it was a, a dangerous, gritty, intimidating place, and you seem to be out to change all that. Well, I think the, the challenge that uh, the Ford people have put together is to say, what would the icon of a sustaining manufacturing facility look like in the next century? What would the questions be? And so um, for us, what this means is starting to ask some fundamental questions. The first is noticing that Ford has just declared itself native to Dearborn. Now, what do you mean by that, native to Dearborn? Well, the fact, I mean, General Motors did not declare themselves native to Flint, right? So they're saying we're staying. Saying you're staying is a very interesting thing. It changes the way you think. And I think for our culture, to say that we're staying is such a phenomenal thing, because usually we just get up and go somewhere else. That's the American way. That's the American way. You get up and go. And so the idea that they would stop, that Bill Ford would say at this moment in history that there is no more away. Remember he used to throw things away? Where's away? Away has gone away. Right? So you say, there's no moral way. We're going to stay here, we're going to clean it up in situ, we're going to do it right here and with our people, and we're not just going to get up and go. That's amazing. Hey, we're back, and we've got some terrific guests here. Marjorie Karevsky, <laughs> who many of you who saw our program of Sirens of Chrome will remember her from that, and she's brought two of her great women here, who are the Sirens of Chrome themselves, here in, in living color with us. So thanks for joining us as well. So... Marjorie, of course, you brought them, and they've got these these great outfits that they they, they do. These are tell these us are, a bit about this. This is automotive history, but it's a little different side. This is the fashion side, and I really have to congratulate you because you are a Renaissance man. You cover what's under the hood, what's on top of the hood, but both of these dresses and many of the other vintage fashions have been major decisions by the design team at automotive companies. So this is like the little niche uh, fashion thing. But let's talk about these. Yeah. Christina, let's start with you. And Christina is a siren of chrome. You will see her on the floor with Lexus this year. The dress she's wearing is from 1990. A sheath dress with lots of great bugle beads all over it. And this went with the Toyota Supra. And the instructions for the designers who want something very, very different, very wow factor, and something that someone who would own a Supra would get in and out of. So it's very much an automotive dress. And what I love, too, of course, is not only do you have these, these outfits, but you've got pictures of the cars that they went with at the auto show. I think and, that's and, really good. Yeah, that's the historical tie-in. By themselves, the dress is very nice, but with the car, it is automotive history. Thanks, Christina. Yeah. So let's go to the other dress, which was designed by the Porsche designers. Again, we're going back to 1990, and this was for the 1990 Porsche Carrera. 
and this was also on the auto show floor, and this was a showstopper at the Detroit Auto Show in 1990. Jet black chiffon, all encrusted with these fabulous bugle beads and silver. And these dresses, in my opinion, should be in the Smithsonian because they are part of Americana But they don't history. look dated at all to my eye. No, you're right. In fact, we were talking about that with some other people here at your party, and some of the ladies were saying, you know, if I could fit into that, I'd wear that tonight. <laughs> and it's very true. Good classic styling of automobiles, mm -hmm. like the Porsche Carrera and the Toyota Supra, and the gowns that are with them certainly hold up fashion-wise over time. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and both of these ladies will, you'll see on the auto show floor. These are gearheads. I love it, yeah, with, with especially so much background in it. You know the product right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, Renee has been with Nissan for eight years, so she's been through eight years of training, eight years of changes in styling, and eight years of meeting the executives and working all over the United States. And now Christina will do Lexus, and so she will have that opportunity too. It's, pretty, it's a pretty great niche of automotive. So Renee, in eight years, have you seen much of a change in Absolutely. things? Absolutely, yeah. I've seen the Nissan Altima change twice. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, absolutely, and it's great. It's, it's just moving in a better direction. That's great. And of course, you wrote a book about all the different outfits and in I many different to, decades. And we did a show on that, of and course. And it was so much fun. The book Sirens of Chrome, I uh, do the history from 1900 until the present day because Sirens of Chrome stood beside cars from the very first auto show in 1903. And the history is pretty profound. Like when you think in the first, uh, the first era, they just stood beside the car. Now they have to be really techno savvy. We're talking about all the technology in cars. They have to go to school to learn it all, to be able to communicate this to the consumer because you know, Mr. Consumer and Mrs. Consumer really wants to know about this stuff. Where do you see it going in the future? Because More we've technology. Seen just more and more technology, more electronics, more things under the hood or more things on no, the No, no, no. I, I meant with oh, the talent. With and the talent? Yeah. They have to be brighter, smarter, and they have to really be very techno-savvy. And I see a return to glamour. Very much so. And makeup, beautiful dresses, beautiful ensembles, and just being very honorable of the brand that you represent because like Porsche, Lexus, General Motors, Chrysler, there is a glamour element to all of this automotive. And they're very important because no matter how glamorous the cars, remember this, the car cannot talk. It cannot tell you, under my hood I'm the most fabulous techno engineering marvel in the world and the product specialists get that information out and create some of the buzz and the excitement. That's great. And so 10 years from now at the auto show, what do you think we'll see? Well, I think we'll see a lot of very significant importance on the product specialist. But I think like physicians have their own specialty. There are many generalists, but I think we will have our specific truck specialists, the technology specialist, and the heating cooling specialist, the information specialist, I think it'll become even more specialized. Well, really good. Marjorie, thanks so much for oh, stopping thank by. You. And Renee and Christina, thanks for having the both of you here. You look terrific. So, great having you all.
Okay, we're, we're going to go to uh, a soundbite right now, and then we're going to have a commercial as well with Doug Fraser, who was one of the great labor leaders in this business, and I got a chance to interview him before he passed away, and let's go to that now. What's the future of the UAW as you see it? I mean, as this, this whole thing plays out, Paul brought it up, the globalization and the like, uh, will the union continue to, sh continue to shrink, or do you see hope for growth somewhere down the road? Well, hopefully there's growth because, you know, in, in America, the, the figures of the, the percentage of the workforce is organized in the private sector is about 10 percent. You know, it's disgraceful. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in the public sector, it's growing. It's like 38, 39 percent. Uh, but, but in terms, you know, the UAW really has an obligation, and they're going to do it to keep trying to organize the Toyotas and the Nissans and the Hondas. Uh, we haven't been successful yet. The only three plants we have organized Japanese firms are the joint ventures in uh, Fremont, California, Mitsubishi in Normal, Illinois, and, and uh, Mazda. Uh, but we've got to keep trying. It's difficult because what these companies are doing is they're paying wa playing wages almost to the level of, of uh, our contracts. The fringe benefits aren't, aren't quite as good. And they locate in states where those wages are higher than anything existing in states of Kentucky and, and Tennessee and so forth. Of all the brands of cars being sold in America, one company goes further, Ford. With plug-in hybrids projected to take you over 100 MPGE, innovative EcoBoost engines, combining power and efficiency, and technology that opens doors for you and practically parks itself. Ford truly redefines how far a vehicle can go, so you can go further. So we're back, and now that the show's almost over, my co-host showed up. <laughs> yeah, the, the auto extremist is here. <laughs> How you been? I'm doing good. You but it's do been hard doing this all by myself. You already do the download on Lamont? No, we haven't gotten to that at all. Okay. We'll get to that. What have you been talking about? Well, you know, we've just been running different guests in out in here, and we should mention who we got right now. Ed Miller from Honda, and Gene Halliday is with us. Hi, John. Happy anniversary. Thank you. you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's Online cool. Happy anniversary. Fun rolling, man. Happy yeah. anniversary. Yeah. It's the old press corps, right? We were all members at one time. You did? Yeah. In the old days. In the old days, yeah. Part you're, of the press corps. You're 15 years, and I just did 13 about extremists. So. Wow, 13? Really? Wow, really yeah. that long? I didn't realize it had been that long already. Yeah. That's amazing. And I feel every minute of it. <laughs> And some people say, oh, it just flew by. No, it didn't. No. <laughs> I felt every second of it. Jeez. Well, what's on your mind these days? What are you looking at in the, the industry, Ed? Well, it's our 30th anniversary of manufacturing in, in the, the United U States. In the U.S. with Honda. Yep, the original Accord, first Japanese car built in America, November 1st of 1982. Wow. So not long afterward, you were... Down there doing dye change uh, challenges. We, uh, in my magazine life, we sponsored right. a contest called the Dye Change Challenge and, and went down to Honda. Well, and the associates there haven't forgotten you. No kidding. So your name pops up, and we just put a brand new stamping press in down there, a couple hundred million dollars worth of stamping press, and your name comes up every time any kind of stamping changes are made there. So Well, what blew me away, you know, Honda's so much into racing, right? And so many of their top executives have come up through 
the engineering and the manufacturing side of the business. Right. So I can't remember, was it uh, Yoshino, I think, was running the operations down there. He later became president of the company. So he said, we have to speed up these dyes. So they made, you know, what they call... Uh, what are the, the the transfer mechanism for moving the panels, the arms? He made them out of carbon fiber because these are big, heavy suckers. Yeah. And by making them out of carbon fiber, very lightweight, they figured out how they could do like two hits more per minute and crank out, you know, <laughs> over the course of a year, zillions more panels or something. But I love that. It's the only company I've seen where they brought a racing mentality to the manufacturing mm -hmm. operations and actually applied carbon fiber to a stamping press. Right, right. <laughs> just amazing. And kudos to their plant, uh, just winning the J.D. Power, the, the top plant in the top world. Top plant yeah, in North awesome. America, right? Is that right? Congratulations, yes. Yeah, last year our Indiana plant, which was brand new, got the Platinum Award, the Global mm -hmm. Award, in their first year, which was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. A lot of Ohio and... Uh, Alabama people over there helping them with that, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, yesterday, yeah. two days ago, JD Power, uh, we had the uh, best in North America, Mary's Auto Plant, same plant, so that's pretty good. Yeah, no, it, was the, it was the one in Japan, the, and the one in Japan got number one in the right, world. Uh, uh, yeah. Suzuka, Suzuka got number so one in the world plant. So we had the platinum, and then uh, best in North America. So yeah, yeah, it was good. But yeah, they remember you down there and those die chain <laughs> challenges. I don't know how many years you did that. You did that for... I think we did it for five or six years or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it really moved the needle in this country with getting manufacturing more competitive. Well, it did because die changes were emblematic of almost the rest of manufacturing. It's, you know, if you could do it quickly and there's a whole idea of mindset and associate involvement and all of that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, my, I've always used a racing analogy. It's like making a pit stop in the Daytona 500 right. versus taking your car to the dealership. You know, <laughs> totally different attitude. And I think at that time we helped change the attitude in the United States. Of, we did. You know, go get it. Go, go make it faster. Journalists pushing people forward. Yeah. Good thing. <laughs> we can be a, uh, something for good here. Positive right? force right. for good. Yeah. Scary it's good thought. It's scary <laughs> So, yeah, we got to talk uh, Le Mans, man. It was, uh, I'm so thrilled you got to go. Me too. The only, you know, it was an awesome trip. You know, uh, hats off to Nissan. They, they brought me in and, and 170 other journalists over there, which was a little bit crazy. But, uh, it was everything that you said it would be. The only regret I have on the trip is that you weren't there. It would yeah. have been that much more awesome Aww. had you been. Yeah, we would have had a ball. <laughs> but, you know, it's a pretty uh, amazing event in that it is, you can physically feel that it is a huge deal to the people that go. I mean, there's people, they don't phone it in. They look forward to it. They watch it. They study it. They're enthralled by it. And the machines on the track are just amazing. The best. I mean, you know, it, it's what I love is the variety. You know, four different categories, all different kinds of cars in each category. Yeah, it's really good. And the technical, the just the technical effort that Audi puts on, and Toyota this year, but Audi is just four cars and just you know. The, it's not just the money. I mean, they absolutely believe in what they do. The cars showcase everything about where Audi is today. 
and it's the only racing series where they can do that. You know, Formula One, you know, that's so f- uh, function-driven. The cars are not attractive. I mean, the Audis at Le Mans look like a visionary representation of the Audi brand. Right. And if you count when the Bentley won, which was an Audi underneath, they haven't won 11 out of 13. They've won 12 out of 14. Wow. And this year, they entered four cars, and they came in first, second, third, and fourth. No, first, second, third, fifth. Was it fifth? Yeah. Oh, okay. One car snuck in because the... the the fourth Audi had all kinds of problems and never, yeah, well, never crashed. caught up. Yeah. <laughs> that causes <laughs> problems in cars. But one, two, three, you know. <clears throat> That's, yeah, just too much. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to go to one more break right now. We'll get a couple more guests in here. Peter and I got some more things to talk about, but uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you very what much. What we created here. <clears throat> we're going to do... What we achieved here. What we learned here. And what we pioneered here. All goes here. The One. The Accord. Smarter thinking from Honda. Okay, we're back. And it's just me and Peter right now, but that's, that's not half bad either. No. So uh, let's see, Le Mans, uh, the start, did the, uh, the French Air Force do the flyover? They did the flyover, which was pretty cool, you know, streaming. With the flag. Right, the blue, white, and red. And uh, you wandered, did you get to go to the Mulsanne at all? I didn't get to Mulsanne, you know, uh, again, being with Nissan, they were shuttling us around to all different kinds of places. But I, I went over to the Dunlop Curves which has got to be one of the most beautiful racing scenes in the world. I mean, it, it's stunning, stunning, just beautifully groomed in the way it's laid out. And the track is immaculate. And absolutely immaculate. Ultra smooth. And so I got there at 8 o'clock at night, and I thought, well, I'll hang out here a little while until it turns dark, and then with my jet lag, maybe it's better I go back to bed. Well, I met up with a couple of Brits, <laughs> and we started drinking beer. And I probably got back at about 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, that can happen there. It can, especially with the, these two British guys. They were terrific. And they're, they're in this Nissan stand. And then I find out later that, well, one's like a mechanic at a dealership, and the other guy cuts lawns for a living. And I go, really? How did you guys get in here? And they say, well, we, we just barged in at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And they've I been said, there ever Wait since. Wait a minute. It's, it's now like 10 o'clock at night, and you guys have been drinking since 4? That's impressive. (laughs) And the other thing that amazed me hanging out there, as I did as it got darker and darker and darker, the crowd got bigger and bigger and bigger. The darker it got, the more people came out. And that goes back to what you were saying about Le Mans. You know, people, I mean, these are racing fans. They're there to party, and they do a lot of that, too. But they're there to see the race. And that's what I really liked is they want to see the 24-hour aspect. So it wasn't like... You know, oh, let's go have dinner and then party and then go to bed. No, it's like, let's let's party and then let's have dinner and then let's party and watch the race and let's party and watch the race and party and watch the race. Because the race is still going on. That's right. Well, the other thing is, and you mentioned this, is how the Audis don't make any noise. 
It's uncanny. And that's the, that happened when they went to the turbo diesel, but now when you're at Le Mans, they go by, it's, it's eerie. Well, you know, I saw them race when they first brought the diesel cars at, at the 12 hours of Sebring, first time they raced. And I was amazed at how quiet they are. I'm telling you, they're even more quiet now. This was uh, the e-tron ones especially. I swear to God, you would only hear wind noise and tire noise. There, there was no engine noise that I think I heard. Yeah, and, you know, um, which makes the juxtaposition to the factory Corvettes really cool because... They sound awesome at Le Mans. Well, they sound like a barrel of trombones rattling yeah. down the straight. It's just, a, you, you can pick out that exhaust note so easily. And what I also like is it's not a, you know, a high-pitched sound, which can sound good after a while, but not after 24 hours. You know, it starts to really grate on your ears. Yeah. And, and the vets aren't loud, don't get me wrong. It's not like they're... They're easy on the ears, but it was so much easier to take after 24 hours. And it's, uh, you know, if, if you're from the States, if you're an American, when you see the reaction to the Corvettes from the Europeans, they really, really love the Corvettes. They love the way they look. They love the sound. They love everything about them. And uh, as an American, when you go over there and you see that, it's just like, wow. Unexpected. Yeah. And the other thing I would add is they've been at... <laughs> Look at this. We're, we're having a, a cake delivered to us by two of the sirens, no less. And so here, you can set it down there just to make it easier on yourselves. Oh, my God. It says, happy 15th Auto Line. Special thanks to Ford and Honda. Yeah, our sponsors in this event for this party tonight. So this is really cool. Thanks for delivering that. that, that that's really good. Did I miss some of these sirens of chrome here? Yeah. Yes. Wow. You should have been here earlier. I guess. <laughs> well, this is uh, great, really cool. And, uh, you know, it's been awesome being at this for 15 years, even though we've only had after hours for three years now. Is it but three or four? Three. I think it's three. Right. But, uh, and it's been great working with you on Yeah, it's on been great, Jan. Yeah, you should be very proud. You and your group, you're, you've got the best people that work with you, and it's good. Yeah. Well, you know, good people make all the difference. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one thing to, to be able to do uh, what you want. It's another thing to pull it off, and you've you got to have good people doing that. Yeah. So, oh, and we've got some more thank yous here. Oh, geez, what's this? Oh, yeah, we got another care package from Katz's Delicatessen in New York. <laughs> that just arrived this morning. <laughs> so we had a great time with Katz's when we were out there. And we really want to thank, every, thank everybody in the kitchen for having sent out another care package here. And then we got another one. This is uh, from Pietro Gorlier at, at Mopar, who sent us Zingerman's. another care package from Zingerman. So we're going to be eating good here for quite a while. And then, Peter, I need you to help me on this one because Dave Barnes from GM brought this over. You open it up. This was sent over to both you and I from Ed Welburn, the head of GM Design. Oh, shit. So, no, sorry. <laughs> so let's see what... Uh, what they done sent over for us. It's a painting that Peter's now uh, pulling all the, the brown wrapping paper off. 
and we'll see what we got there. Oh, this is cool. Oh, 85 years of General Motors design. So it's a, it's a great litho photograph. John, on behalf of GM's global design team, congratulations on 15 great years and many more to come, Ed Welburn, with the picture of the famous GM design dome. That's pretty cool. This is really cool. And, of course, you and I will be doing Autoline After Hours at the design dome, as you've been pushing GM to do for, what, which, over a year yeah, now? Yeah, which will be a real treat. It, it will be re really cool. And I just did something on the 85 years in, in Autoline, I mean, in Auto Extremis, so... It's a, it's an impressive run that GM has had. Eighty-five years of design. That's you and know I think fifteen years of Autoline's good. Well, Eighty-five years. And is their awesome. first design leader basically uh, invented the the whole pursuit. Harley Earl. Mm -hmm. um, they had a few down years, but boy, they've been on a roll of late. And Ed's just he's the sixth man to lead GM design. I think he does a fabulous job. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you, Ed Welburn, for sending that over. We got yeah. a, just the spot to put it up on our walls here in the offices. But we ought to wrap this up now because I want to go out and start partying with everybody who is here and yeah. get some of the food and drink that we've got. That's great. So I'm glad that you made it here, though. Yeah, I uh, apologize again. So, yeah. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, we're going to wrap the show up right now, and... Uh, before I sign off, I want to thank our sponsors for this 15th anniversary party that we've got. Great shout-out to Ford and Honda. And I uh, want to thank uh, P2R Associates and Productions Plus for helping us do all this as well. And thank you all for having tuned in. Auto Line After Hours is brought to you by Bridgestone. Your journey, our passion. And by Chevrolet. Chevy runs deep. And for this special Auto Line 15th Anniversary Edition, we would like to thank our sponsors, Ford and Honda. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.